Welcome all you creatures of the night. This evening, the term creature takes on a new meaning. Hidden beneath the surface, far removed from society and forethought, lurks our deepest most fears. In the shadow lies the beast, slumbering, stalking, and preying on its victims. It subtly prowls, purrs, and gains on you. Is there a beast after you, waiting to pounce and make you supper? Or is it the paranoia all in your head? A delusion of your own oppressed thoughts. You cry out for help. But perhaps a cat has got your tongue. This is the latest episode in It Records. I'm one of your hosts as always, Matt Johnson, joined with by... Peter Hansen. Peter Hansen as always. Good to see you, Pete. Good to see you. Good to talk to you again. Um, And this week, everybody, we will be taking on and tackling the 1942 film from RKO, Cat People. Filmed by, directed by, sorry, Jacques Trunier, and produced by Val Luton of RKO Studios. Across the centuries comes this exciting story of a modern girl cursed by an ancient legend. The legend of the cat people. Women whose kiss means death. Whose love turns them into vicious, snarling beasts of prey. by something that was not human, something that attempted to take my life. I believe that was the cat form of Irena. Why should she wish to harm you? Because I'm in love with her husband. It's shut, Val. Just a minute ago, it was open. It's locked. Leave us, Irena! For those of you who listen to the podcast regularly, I did a blog post on this earlier and talked about Val Luton in my mini episode, so I have plenty <laughs> to say, plenty to say, but I'll, I'll keep it to a minimum and let Pete get his thoughts in. And with that being said, Pete, can you give us a creepy headline for today? Uh, meow. Yes, I can. <laughs> oh, I hope you had that one holstered for a while. <laughs> I thought of it when you're doing the intro, if I'm being honest. <laughs> so, did um this little creepy headline is a little different, a little more historical for all you history buffs out there. But this movie came out December twenty fifth, nineteen forty two. I thought Christmas. that was kind of sh- yeah. I thought that was kind of strange for a horror movie back then. You know, I thought that was more of a trend in the 80s or 70s you know where they wanted to be a little more (laughs) yeah i don't know just weird with it but i was kind of shocked by that and some shit happened in the 40s i hope everyone knows that (laughs) oh yeah i I think i'm familiar (laughs) with uh world war ii i don't know (laughs) that's right yeah Uh that big thing um so the day before francois Darlin, Darlin, I don't know. He's French. Uh, he's an admiral of the fleet for the French Navy. And he was assassinated on Christmas Eve. His killer was caught Christmas Day and executed the day after. Boxing Day, as I think it is. Mm-hmm. Or, Juan, or, 
or Kwanzaa, you know, which are, pick your favorite. <laughs> but to, the strangest thing is, is that Francois was a Nazi, you know, sympathizer with the Vicky regime, I believe it's pronounced. Vicky. I, I'm Vicky. probably wrong. Vicky How with the sp- V. With the V. <laughs> How do you spell Vicky? V I. V I C H Y. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So I'm saying it with the Midwest accent, so you know I could be pronouncing it very wrong. But you know he wasn't well liked by the Allies, so you know when the <laughs> so I was like, hmm. <laughs> but the the funny thing is, is that uh, the comments about his passing was no tears were shed by the British. <laughs> So, you know, so far so good. And Harold Macmillan, who was Churchill's advisor to Eisenhower at the time of the assassination, mm-hmm. uh, described Darlin's service and death by saying, once bought, he said, bought. Darlin's murder room... There's been no connection with the British or American involvement with this assassination, but mm, okay. you know, okay, yeah, yeah I, I'm kind of, I feel like there was. <laughs> I, I don't say I guarantee there was. There had to have been, because they're like, here, have North Africa. Two months later, he was assassinated. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we ain't gonna let this happen, guys. No way. Yeah, yeah, Nazi sympathizer. <laughs> Take me out on Christmas. So that is uh that my you know, a historical headline, maybe <laughs> a blast from the past, if you will. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, Pete. as always, pivoting headline news from you. But uh, back to cat people. Back to the fantastic cat people. Um. For those of you who haven't seen it, I'm sure there's plenty that haven't. It came out in 1942. The basic plot of it is an American man named Oliver marries a Serbian immigrant. Uh, Irana? Is that, is that her name? Irana? Or I- Irena. Irena. Okay. So the American man, Oliver, marries a Serbian immigrant who fears that she will turn into a cat person. Of her homeland fables if they are intimate together. Basically, if she becomes intimate with her husband, she fears that she will turn into um, a cat person and kill. And she can't control it. Almost a almost a Wolfman, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde type scenario. If you will. If you can grasp <laughs> the concept. Um, the film is based off of uh, Val Luton, who produced it. Uh, his book, I believe it's the... Do you have the Baguette? I, I believe is what it was called. It's based off his short story, The Cat People. I knew it was based off his short story, but I couldn't remember the name of it. <laughs> I believe that that's the name of it. Um, but with the plot being said, um, I'll go into why I chose it, horror significance, uh, read about it in my blog in depth. But it was during the 40s. These came out when Val Luton took over RKO Studios, 42 to 46, and created a whole spiel of B-horror movies that they wanted him to roll out. And he couldn't spend more than $135,000 on the budget. And Cat People was the first one that he came out with. 
um, and it was a major critical success as well as uh, a domestic uh, box office success. But I think it's because with the low budget, it was able to champion um, a very stylized form of technique of horror, um, which skyrocketed into film noir during that time period. Um, a lot of different film noir techniques, um, especially in the story as well, and it was suggestive horror. Um, use a lot of Freudian implications, which I can get into later, but suggestive horror compared to Universal at the time, who was doing big monsters, big scares, this film's much more subtle. I think that's why it has a significant place still in horror. That's my spiel, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good, it's a good, good spiel, good spiel. Okay. So, Pete, with that, I've seen it several times, if you can tell, but this is your first viewing of Cat People. You don't have to tell me if you're going to yes. defend or destroy it, but initial impressions. Was it what you thought it was going in? Um, I kind of figured it would be, it definitely, I didn't know anything about it. To be honest, I just knew it was like a well-regarded horror film from the 40s. And I was like, I should take the time because I haven't seen a whole lot of horror from this time period. It's like besides like Wolfman and Dracula, that's really about the extent I think I've seen. Maybe a couple I'm missing, but not a whole lot to cut the story short. And so I wanted to see the significance of it, see you know, what, why you talked about it in that one mini episode, you know, I was definitely interested. And right away, I could tell that it was very, I thought it almost was a noir film, like, watching it, because, yeah. uh, I mean, I could tell it was, a, like, a, a 40s horror because of how subtle it was, because it, it was also weird seeing, because you brought up Universal, like, how different those horror movies were because they were just like sure. about monsters, just like the mummy right away. Yeah. Uh, it was right in your face. Yeah. With, so with that, now that you've seen this one, as I said, it's more suggestive. It plays on shadow. It plays on lighting and sort of the viewer conjuring up sort of what's happening off screen. You use a great, great job of kind of conjuring up what you think is off screen. Do you think, I guess um, do you prefer this type of movie or like Universal's Dracula, the Frankenstein's, Wolfman? Um, which one is better? Um, does this deserve the critical critical success it does, or is the other monsters better? Uh, it's a tough that's question because that's like... a, a long question. I can uh, I'll cut it back. Basically, <laughs> which one do you prefer? First of all, the sort of subtle off screen generation or monster universe? Well. You know, it kind of goes back and forth. Like, I think there's, like, definitely room for suggestive horror anywhere. Um, I think this one works better than some Universal movies, but not all of them. Like, I think, uh, example, The Wolfman is one of my favorite ones of that time period. Where I wouldn't say Cat People's better than it, but I still think there's, like, validity and, like, you know, value to, like, uh, Cat People. Because I... Not a fan of Dracula, as I said in the mini episode. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> I still remember, Pete. <laughs> so I like cat people more than that. Okay. And you brought up Wolfman. I think we're all familiar with that. Uh, I got a question then. Um, there's a slight difference. Cat people, she believes she's going to turn into like a panther. Um, she's intimate and, and kill people. With Wolfman, it's into a wolf. But... I want to 
the difference is in Wolfman, you see the transformation, and it's a man that's also a wolf. He's standing up. You don't really see that in this movie. You never really see her turn into a panther or see the panther. Um, I guess what I'm saying is... You see... You don't see her as a panther. You see a panther. You see a panther. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I guess just what's your general feelings towards... I mean, it's kind of a similar principle. What one works better in, in the stylized for horror? I mean... Is the suggestive idea that you don't see the transformation, I mean, unfulfilling compared to seeing what you got to witness in Wolfman? I think they worked with what they had is what really what it boils down to. In Cat People? Yeah, mm-hmm. is that they had to make it more suggestive because of how much of lower budget they had. And then that, you know, I could respect that, that they worked with their resources. Mm-hmm. Because, like, they're like, oh, we can't do a cool transformation scene like in Wolfman because... We don't get the money. I mean, yeah, we don't get the money. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, It's funny you say that. I I was doing some research, and uh, I knew... Well, they had a low budget, so they were trying to keep it within limits. Um, But Luton and Trunyar, hopefully I'm pronouncing his name right, the director, he's French as well, Jacques Trunyar, they didn't want to show a real panther as much as they could because they wanted to be like suggestive but uh the studio uh, made them in those final scenes where you see the panther twice like an actual panther um when he's fighting the, the psychiatrist mm-hmm. that? um they uh they made them put it in there and wanted to show a transformation um to be on par with the universal pictures and i'm i'm guessing with wolfman in particular so the studio then pushed for an actual panther but the Luton didn't want it in there. <laughs> Luton was against it. <laughs> Luton was not for it. Not for a real panther. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised that he was able to fight back the the studios then because they they had a lot more power back then mm-hmm. than they do now. Like, if you didn't want to do something, you were gone. Let's <laughs> <laughs> replace you with someone else. Mm-hmm. Especially since he just took over, and it was his first film, and yeah. he, he had that much say at all. Pretty, pretty bold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Pete, uh, with this film, I, I mentioned sort of lighting and shadow being a huge element. It rocketed film noir. Um, it relied more on compositional horror compared to physical action, like we said with monsters. Did you witness anything um, that sort of enhanced the film? Or you saw something that was foreshadowed with the the scene development, the or the lighting with the the picture, or was it just kind of really dark and and light in places? Well, um, to see, I I did notice like I didn't really like the emphasis on shadows. I thought it was like what made the film really interesting, but I didn't really pick out like any like. Mm-hmm. If they were inferring anything, but it like it did play off like a romance movie a lot to me. Yeah. Where with between like the two leads, like you know they fall in love very quickly, but then they're like, and then they almost become like jealous of each other very quickly. And I was just like, what is this movie doing right now? Yeah. <laughs> like, I was very thrown off by that and didn't suspect it. Were like uh, the main uh, le- female lead. Uh, Simone, Simon Simone, I believe her name. Mm -hmm. Um, She becomes very jealous of her husband's friend from work. Alice. Yeah, 
very very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> she becomes very um yeah, right away actually. Comp- I think was it be because he like told her about uh, he told Alice about uh Iriana or whatever about her life and she was from that point on jealous of Alice cuz she yeah. didn't know anything about her. I mean maybe that was taboo in 1940s but That's true. It's a different it's a different time. It's a different time than now. Like now you'd just be like, you know, he's just chatting with his he's just chatting with his buddy, you know, what's yeah, the problem? Just, <laughs> he's just chatting with his coworker and his buddy. It's no big deal. Uh Pete, but you mentioned But then they're just like <laughs> Sorry, I was just going to make a stupid point. <laughs> no, go on, please Pete. <laughs> But, like, her worries weren't, you know, <laughs> they're kind of warranted at the same time. <laughs> it, that's true. Like, it, at first you feel like you're, you you want to sympathize not with uh, Iriana, but with the other two, by the way she's acting. But, I mean, they're kind of warranted because they, they do end up being friends. But then they're like, I feel like three quarters in the film, they're like, well, we should get married, right? <laughs> like, we should get married. Uh- <laughs> So I got to divorce uh, Iriana. How long? How long have you been married? Like, where's the time frame in this movie? Yeah, <laughs> has it been years? Was it like a month? Or how long was it? We don't. We don't know. They were married for a month. I remember her saying it to the, to the guy the little, at the zoo. The little yeah, the little groundskeeper guy who likes to forget his keys. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right, and he likes to whistle his tunes. Uh, he was singing <laughs> singing that one song. Who wants to steal a key? It's a panther. He's not going to do anything. <laughs> wise... That's basic. That's basically what he said. <laughs> uh, wise cracking uh, zookeeper from uh, Brooklyn. I want to say. <laughs> uh, speaking of wise cracking, there were some great cat puns—not cat puns, but just cat lines that were in this movie that were like just hitting you over the head with it. Um, she, what did you say? I feel like a cat just walked over my grave. Okay. Too much. Too much. <laughs> it was the forties, though. It was the forties. That might have been a real phrase people still used. Um, it was a. <laughs> it was a term. <laughs> oh, Peter! I just real quick, I want to launch back into something you said a while back that it came in my head. But you were talking about um, at the beginning, they looked like they were in a relationship together. They meet in the first scene. Uh, our main characters, and they go back to her apartment. And then you thought they were kind of together, but then there's like there's this dissonance right away of like you feel like they're not really into each other all of a sudden, and like she's starting to get jealous. Um, one of the things I thought that was like uh, well with the shadow and lighting again, uh, that really just makes your brain think that everything should be fine is uh, when they when they meet up and they go to her apartment and everything it's light and chirpy and then it goes to night and you see them like in the in her dark of her apartment and the guy's like smoking a cigarette but they're like uh, but they're arguing um, mm-hmm. normally at those times in those film noir movies that was meant to su- suggest because you couldn't show kissing or sex at all that something romantic had happened that sort of lighting and shot. So we're supposed to, you feel like that's what is happening, but they're really arguing about not being intimate whatsoever. And he, she has yet to kiss him. Oh. See, I didn't pick up, (laughs) I didn't pick up that they weren't intimate for a while because 
I don't know. I don't know where I was <laughs> mentally, but I, I, it took me a while to like figure that out. And he's just like, he's just mad because you know he can't have sex with his wife. You know, he's kind of pissed off. Yeah, that was that was a big thing for him, a big driver. He can't have sex with his wife. Hasn't kissed him, uh, so he's got to divorce her basically and marry his coworker Alice. Who's just down down to kiss? Down to kiss him, I guess. Down to kiss whenever, wherever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and Pete, one thing that I learned from this film, because I've been talking about technique, is the, the Luton, Luton bus, which, uh, are you familiar with that? That film technique? I, was not fi- I wasn't familiar with the term until... Uh, looking up the Wikipedia page after watching the movie, because um, I mean, I feel like I, it, when I was watching this movie, the scene caught my eye because it was like it was building up suspense, and I was like, okay, I like I like where this is going. It's building up suspense in the movie, and then um, it kind of like all that goes away when uh, like a I guess a false scare. I guess is a, another way of putting it. Yeah when the bus comes and I was like, Oh wow. Like, (laughs) is this like the first jump scare ever in a movie? (laughs) Yeah. Basically. Yeah. That's what it, what it boils down to is that was like the first instance of using a kind of jump scare, building tension to a jump scare is a, is a looting bus from cat people. Which, uh, you know, I, it's pretty cool that, when I was looking up on it, I was like, oh, wow, this is actually, like, a significant thing in, like, horror films. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it, it, I didn't even really catch it until, I mean, I've seen this before, going more into research this time, that, uh, about the Luton bus and, it, and the jump scare. And, well, I mentioned earlier that this was a critical success and it still is it's on the 1001 mo- the list of 1001 movies you should see before you die all the critics will love it but it did it went, it went well box office um pt of that number by chance what they did was uh, it 4 million i think it was 4 million yeah is what i saw with a budget of 134,000 he couldn't go over 135 they shot cat people at 134,000 dollars one one thousand dollars shy, <laughs> which equates to today like two million dollars, hundred thirty five thousand is about two million a day, and then it grows four million, which would be roughly a hundred and twenty million. Oh wow! So yeah, it's a it'd be a pretty significant, especially for a horror film. I feel like today. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Would be a, a financial success for sure. Absolutely. And then spawning from that financial success, it had a sequel. It went on to have The Curse of the Cat People, which, Pete, you uh, got so... You love cat people so much, was, I think, your verbatim what you said. <laughs> you went on to watch Curse of the Cat People today, which came out like a no. year later or so? I came out two years later. Was it two years later? Okay. Yeah. Um, so... I actually recorded these two movies off of TCM because I had, like, a big thing this month. Um, 
And I was like, well, if I'm going to watch one, I want to watch the other. They're both very short films. And, you know, I was like, kind of wanted to watch New York, New York type films, trying to watch more of them. Mm-hmm. And I actually liked the sequel more, but it's, even though it's still considered a horror film, it doesn't feel like one at all. Like, there's parts that are creepy, but I don't know, there's just something about it that feels more of a noir film. But um, the same cast is in it. And really? it's Val, Val Luton's involved. Mm-hmm. And um, I can't remember the first director's name. But the second director who came in because he was going over budget and over the amount of days it took, um, Robert Wise took over. And I don't know if that rings any bells, but he uh, he did a couple significant films in his day. Horror films in general or Are just, a bunch, just films? Films. He did Sound of Music, West Side Story, Man. the first Star Trek. I, movie, I haven't heard of any of those. <laughs> and the day the earth stood still, which I guess could be, even though that's science fiction, mm-hmm. the most horror-like movie. Okay. Well, that's pretty good. And he came in second for Curse of the Cat People, you said. Right? Oh, and he also did The Haunting, which is a horror film. Sorry, I forgot the, that one. The original <laughs> 63 or something like that? Yeah, The Haunting, yeah. Is it 63? Do you have it up? Uh, I believe it is 63. Oh, man. Gotta... I'm not proud that I know that, but... <laughs> It is 63, That was yep. in the back it, of my head for some reason. Okay. Well, that's a nice piece of trivia, Pete. Do you have any more for, for cat people that you, that you found that would, uh, you know, entice the viewers, give them a, a new perspective on, on the film? Well, do you want me to talk about the second one or do you want me to talk about the first one for a second? Cat people, if, the first one, if you got if you got it in front of you. Or if not, um, Curse of the Cat People works just fine. It's a sequel. <laughs> so th- this film uh, did so well in the box office, as we said, that it delayed the next two Luton films, I Walked with a Zombie and Leopard Man, because oh, wow. they both came out, were supposed to come out in 43. I believe they did, but um, they pushed it back because Cat People was in theaters for so long, because it was making so much money. Yeah, I, I heard something, I mean, because it was in theaters so long... Um, critics who originally bashed the film, um, who saw it, like originally when it came out, it stayed in so long they wouldn't resaw it, and wrote positive reviews for it, which yeah really I saw that booster or bolster <laughs> the uh, the reception of the movie. Yeah, which is uh, <laughs> it's pretty funny to think about that. It is like hey, you know what I'll go see this again. <laughs> Another thing I saw that I, I liked was uh, to keep the budget down that they reused sets from Orson Welles' uh, Magnific- Magnificent Am- Ambersons. Okay. So they they reused sets from that movie to keep uh, the budget down to 134000 as we said. So one scene that I wanted to bring up before we uh, kind of close this out was probably one of the final scenes and the most horror film horror segment i guess well the swimming pool i guess would be the other one which we haven't mentioned either but the one that i want to talk about um was the psychiatrist was really drawn to the female arena and where i was like wait have they been seeing each other i was very confused by that (laughs) 
because he she seemed almost receptive of it, and then he kissed her, and then it primed her to change into a panther and kill him, yep. and then he had like a little hidden blade in his cane, <laughs> and I was like, Whoa. yeah, <laughs> he just has a sword in his blade uh, in his cane. He's been dragging around. Mm-hmm. But uh, I definitely enjoyed that scene a lot, and uh, God, I'm trying to think of what we could bring up for a clip too. I definitely like to throw in a clip in there. But I don't know if there's any things that would be worth audio-wise. We could figure it out. Um, but the other one was this swimming pool scene, which uh, we haven't talked about either. True. Yeah, but that one was one. very suggestive horror. Mm-hmm. That one really falls in the realm of that because it was very shadow-like and you could barely see the panther. And I think they actually used the real panther in the scene, but they made it like so dark that you couldn't even see it. Like yeah. You could barely make it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. Like you could just barely make out the figure, but you knew that it was some uh, feline character encroaching on uh, Alice in the in the in the pool in the basement of her apartment, right? Wasn't it like in the basement of her apartment? Yeah, she was yeah, it was the basement there. of her apartment. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, you're led to believe it's Irene who follows her there, Irina, and then turns into a, the panther. No, that's very suggestive. Um, but usually. In horror, too, the I think I said like the pool area or like a tub is mostly like a sanctuary type place as a, as a tenant, and they play with that. Oh, okay. It's so like if you're in it, you're fine, but it's usually danger looms on the outside. Like yeah, it, it follows okay. has that that scene um, where she's just kind of floating in the pool. Oh uh, yeah. Comes. Um, and there's the iconic visual image of Nightmare on Elm Street, where she's laying in the, the bathtub. Water, water, water. <laughs> I guess we could uh, we could play that scene right now. Yeah. This swimming pool. I think that's apropos. the key for the swimming pool? Of course, dearie. Oh, what a darling kitten. Yeah, it's one of four. Tabby had him about a month ago. Don't forget to turn the lights out when you're through, will you? I won't forget. Hello? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just a moment, dearie. Yes? Is Miss Moore in? She just went downstairs to the swimming pool. Would it be all right if I went down to see her? Of course, dearie. Right down them steps there. Oh, gee, I can't tonight.
Alright. I just put that in a little audio as for there for you guys. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> you. Check it out. It's pretty cool visually too. <laughs> oh, uh, I, I forgot to mention we talked about the sequel, but there is a remake of Cat People. A remake was made. I haven't seen it. It was like in the eighties, like mid eighties, called Cat People. It's supposed to be more erotic too. Like to describe it as an erotic horror film. Mm-hmm. So uh, <laughs> I wonder where that will go. <laughs> yeah. I was wondering the same thing. Like, I, I kind of got those tendencies in Cat People in 42. It's not going to be too crazy in 42, but everything I did read about the new remake was like erotic horror, Cat People, and all these like sexual images. And I was like, okay, uh, I got to check this out now. Got to check out this new Cat People. So I guess the ultimate question is defend or destroy. I think mine is uh, mine's pretty obvious. I'm gonna I'm gonna defend it. Um, uh, I really like this movie. I, I'm a big fan of Al Luton's. Um, as I said in a previous mini episode, I think what he did here in the '40s with a low budget, style wise, um, really um, was advanced the horror genre in a, in, a, in a different direction than the Universal monster pictures at the time. More suggestive, simpler horror, um, using the camera for everything. Um, and I thought it was, uh, it made the viewer conjure up fears in their own mind instead of just blatantly throwing monsters at them. So I enjoy it. I enjoy this little stretch of Val Luton's four or five year career at RKO making B-horror movies. So I defend it adamantly. But uh, Pete, I'd love to hear your, what your thoughts are. Why well, I completely agree with what you're saying and I actually okay. in, enjoy Curse of Cat People more than this movie Mm -hmm. I am still gonna say destroy Mm -hmm. this movie if I'm gonna pick one to destroy what we've done is that I don't know like I do like like this movie (laughs) there's just something I don't know it just didn't do it for me I think I think it's maybe the older movie even though I enjoy older movies I think it was just too slow. And, like, I can't... It's hard for me not to hold it against it because I, like, I was trying to be open about it because it is older and there's a lot of cool shadows and suggestive themes with it. But, I don't know, for for the time that I watched it and my initial feelings, they could change. But with that being said, it is just going to be the first movie that I destroy. And yeah, I was I, gonna say, and I uh, and I apologize, Matt, because <laughs> no, no, I am I am definitely a huge defender of horror, but if I was gonna choose one, I think I'd rather do it now than later, because I wouldn't want to be the guy that wouldn't destroy a horror movie. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I mean, to each his own, to each his own. But uh, I will remember this. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> son of a bitch. No. No, I understand. Um, I get it's not for everybody. I really do. I, I think it's critical yuppies eat it up and want to advance it and make sure it lives for years to come. But uh, it can definitely, even, even for the hour and 13 minutes that it is, it can it could drag on for people. I could definitely see that. I could definitely see it being stretched a little too far. 
It doesn't drag as much as Dracula, I would say. I... <laughs> fair, fair enough. You've destroyed two of my movies that I like. Yeah, but we haven't talked about Dracula yet. <laughs> That's true. We only we just touched the surface of it. I'm sure we'll we'll hit it on this podcast later. If you're up for it, you especially hates it. Especially the the Bram Stoker by Francis Ford Coppola. Oh my god. Yeah, with the. Uh... Gary Oldman, Keanu, yeah. Keanu Reeves, <laughs> masterpiece. <laughs> he's just doing. A, he's doing a fine job. <laughs> okay, well, listeners, I think that concludes our our episode of It Records today on Cat People. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, hope you got a lot out of it. Uh, I still defend it. Um, check it out on Amazon. Or li- listen to my blog. Uh, listen to it. You can read it. Le- read my blog. It's a, it's about this movie in Val Luton. And uh, my mini episode as well, where Pete talks about Ty West and I talk about Val Luton. But please stay tuned. We're going to have another episode out, hopefully in the the next two weeks. So we do bi-weekly mini episodes soon. In the meantime, we'll be blogging. Uh, check us out on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, please talk on our forums, get some discussion going. We'd love to hear from you guys. Um, and as always, then, I'm Matt Johnson. I remain in the shadows. And I'm Peter Hansen. <laughs>